welcome to Select Match Type. My name's Simon Cowgill and I'm joined as always by Christopher Ellis. Hi Chris, how are you? I'm not too bad, Si. How's yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, very much, as always, looking forward to the match we're going to cover today. Um, I had better memories of this feud than, uh, than it turned out the match, or than the match turned out, I should say. I have absolutely zero memories of this. Because it's weird, because I was, I was looking at it when it was on. So it's 2010, it was October. So I was looking at it thinking... Well, we were at uni together we're at uni, then. We yeah, were living exactly. together. We, I, was, I was thinking we must have watched this pay-per-view. But yeah. I have absolutely zero recollection of it. So this would have been a, a couple of months after we'd moved into our third year, um, third year house. And the first night we moved in together, we stayed up. For, uh, it was a Monday and we stayed up till like four in the morning watching Raw drinking a crate of Foster's each. So how did we not, how do you not remember this pay-per-view? Was the, was that not? I I remember drinking. I remember drinking a lot, <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of times. But yeah, for some reason, I've. So yeah, for some possibly unknown reason, I don't, I don't recall the pay per view. Who knew? In the same way, in the same way, that I really don't recall a huge chunk of the Royal Rumble, the first ever pay per view, or one of the uh, early pay per views. Went down the pub to watch. I have no recollection at all of the women's Royal, first women's Royal Rumble. Nope, that's because you were fast asleep in the corner. <laughs> oh well. Well we can do that again and if it well, I say we could do that again. There's no way we could go to uh what, where did we go? Walkabout, wasn't it, to go and watch it this year. We could attempt to break in, I suppose there's no one about. <laughs> yeah. Security will be laps at bars at the moment, I guess. Um so you touched on it already, so we're going back to two thousand and ten to bragging rights. Um so we get to look at a Raw versus SmackDown show. Uh, it's not going into too much detail about that once again. Uh, but our, the match we're going to cover today is for the World Heavyweight title. It's between The Undertaker and the champion at the time, his brother Kane. So this is obviously one of the most storied rivalries in wrestling history. Uh, it's your classic, Taylor's all the time. Uh, older brother burns down the funeral parlour. You know, that, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> Um, me, me and my brothers were doing it all the time to each yeah, other. Just set, setting the whole family on fire all the time. Um, yeah, so we've already covered um, Kane's debut in our Hell in a Cell series where Kane rips the door off the cell at Bad Blood 1997. Still can't, can't get over the fact that Bad Blood, blood is spelt wrong, but got to deal with it. It's 23 years ago now. Yeah, um, let, let it go. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. I think that still stands up as one of the the best matches we've um, we've watched as part of part of any of the series we've covered. Yeah, and definitely one of the greatest debuts as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So this is thirteen years after after Kane's debut. Um, Kane's a very different uh, animal at this point in time. There's no mask. He uh, obviously had to take it off in two thousand and three, uh, and then had that weird wig and just a bit of charcoal on his face. Yeah, those skin, <laughs> those, those skin graphs went well. Yeah, exactly. He just has a pair of mismatched uh, contact lenses and that's about the, uh, the extent who of the kn- damage. Who knew all those people who've unfortunately been lost to fire or people who survived <laughs> and you find their eyes have changed colour. Yeah, all they have to do is uh, become World Heavyweight Champion and they will soon be on the road to recovery. Yeah, Kane's very different here. He's got no mask, he's got no hair, uh, he's got no top on. I think this is one of my least favourite iterations of Kane. I was going to say, he's got no top, he's got no personality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So, yeah, we, we've obviously seen Kane quite a lot through this series, even though he's not been in a match so far. He's interfered constantly throughout. Um, so it's nice to actually see him compete in a buried alive match. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's good to find we can tick, tick off the list of things we needed to do. Yeah. Right, feature Kane, tick. It's, it's the only variant that was left to do in the, in the uh, Buried Alive format, I think. Exactly. It's the matches fine. have not differed much, let's say. No, no they haven't. We don't, and to be fair, we do, not, we do not differ a lot here either. <laughs> no, true. Let's go back and cover Survivor Series 2003, shall we? <laughs> shall we go back to our happy, pla- our yeah, happy exactly. place? Exactly. Um, so just mentioning Kane, so we've talked about, obviously, the, the history of The Undertaker. We actually ran a, a poll on Twitter um, a couple of days ago to find out who the Undertaker's greatest rival was. Um, fairly simple question. Four options. Sean Michaels, Brock Lesnar, Triple H or Kane. Um, unfortunately, Twitter doesn't let you put more than four options. Anyone else you would have put into that mix? I think Mankind would have been another one that would have been closer. Anyone else? No, I'm trying to... When you think through... Bret Hart had a decent rivalry with him. Yeah. I can't really Better remember co- any of their matches, but <laughs> I'm, I'm the heart, when they did Heart and Soul SummerSlam, I remember, that has I remember slipped to my mind completely. To be fair, it's it's weird because it tends to be it tends to be Undertaker's greatest foes tend to be people who managed the last longest in WWE, <laughs> which is probably a reason that these four are in the uh, in the list that I put together. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, Bret Hart. Anyone else? Apparently, I saw some amusing podcasts that put old age as his greatest, <laughs> as his greatest rival. Yeah, whoever put that together was obviously a creative genius. But go on, you can you can I'll, plug it, Chris. I'll let you. I will, I'll play, I'll play. <laughs> it, it was it was my it was my my in some ways my evil brother as well. Yeah, <laughs> this the, the cane of this relationship, if you yeah, will. the the cane to the cane to select match types Undertaker, the ice pit on your grades podcast which if you like horror you should check out but we won't mention that any further now because this is all about Kane I'll tell you, <laughs> what, I'll tell you well it's about Kane I'll tell you what I was surprised with for a change for WWE they actually had the champion come out second yes. when, they're a low, when they're a lesser name I very much enjoyed that. enjoyed that so it's not as you say normally when you've got The Undertaker coming out, regardless of whether he's champion or not, you would have him coming out second. I very much enjoyed the fact that Kane came out first. Uh, sorry, The Undertaker came out first and the champion came out last. The, the way it should be, as we've said countless times um, through, through the, the episodes on, on the podcast. Um, yeah. so just to go back to the Twitter poll, sorry, because sorry, yeah, reveal just... the results <laughs> of it rather than uh, just move away. Um, so last place, Triple H with 8%. Then Brock Lesnar, 12%. A bit closer between the top two. So Shawn Michaels, 36%. But The Undertaker's greatest rival, according to our Twitter followers, Kane with 44% of the vote. What do you, what do you make of that? They've had some iconic matches. So I can, I can understand that. Kane, as we said, Kane's debut was great. The, the first, not first blood, sorry, the, uh, the Inferno match. Yeah, so they've they've had yeah they've had some good ones, so I can understand why people and at least well well the storyline between them and how they come to be may change every two years. Yeah, at least they, at least they've had a consistent backstory between the two of them. 
as yeah. much as WWE is able to manage. There, there is actually um, a, a book that was released um, called Journey into Darkness, which is a bit, um, it's a, a kayfabe story of how Kane has uh, come to be. It features all the, all the Kane's uh, classics, like Snitsky um, makes an appearance. And um, yeah, it's basically the story of how Kane came to be, but written uh, from a kayfabe point of view. And Paul Bearer is basically giving him chemicals throughout his young life to make him the monster that he'd go on to be. So, if you if you haven't um, heard about that, I I recommend going to to seek it out. Who who knew a young WWE star taking weird substances? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, Kane, Kane wins. I think um, that's probably fair. And if only for the sort of away from the ring story, because there isn't really um, a story with as much um, substance away from the ring like that. The, the fact that The Undertaker killed his parents in a, by burning down the, uh, the funeral parlor and Kane managed to survive. Yeah, just... It's, the story that you don't see is almost better than the one that you do, to be fair. Yeah, um, there's, there's probably a great... Movie. It's one of the things now. You think with WrestleMania going the way it's had to over the last year and things not looking any brighter on the horizon, now's the perfect time to do a full cinematic history. Including all the ba- works, yeah. yeah, do the whole, do the whole thing. Have them ra- have, do all the different iterations. Just roll through the whole backstory in one cinematic match. I mean, Alexa Bliss is fl- throwing fire on Raw now, so surely uh, getting Kane involved wouldn't be too difficult. No, exactly. It's- They've got a union, fire, fire throwers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a strange union that would be between those two. Just Kane and Alexa Bliss sitting around having coffee on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine it? Well, Kane's very different. I can always imagine. I always imagine. Alexa Bliss, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, okay, so to the to the show itself and uh, the the story in 2010 so obviously this is 13 years after they first started feuding uh, kane is the champion here he attacked the undertaker and put the undertaker it's weird how many times this phrase comes comes up but in a vegetative state yeah it's they learn, it's when their tick it's when their phrases they go to like superstar and WWE Universe. <laughs> WWE Universe, exactly. Sorry, I completely went mind plan then. <laughs> That's then, oh, okay. Or boss, boss time. <laughs> yeah, or net, the network. Yeah. I don't think that's... That's not necessarily a catchphrase as much as product placement, but yeah, I, I see. What Mate, you're when you when you when you sit there when they first pull the network out and they're they're using it eighty times a match. Yeah. That's a catchphrase. That's like or, a plug. Oh, you know what that is? That's the network for you. The big dog. Yeah. There's the big, so oh god. Yeah. From. Yeah. So yeah, um, Kane attacks the Undertaker, puts him into a vegetative state, and somehow steals his powers, um, which leads to a Hell in a Cell match between the two. Where um, just before the Hell in a Cell match, Paul Bearer returns and uh, sides with the Undertaker to give him his powers. Don't know how Paul Bearer's got his powers, uh, got the powers back from Kane, and is keeping them in an urn to give back to the Undertaker. Um, the Undertaker's about to win the title at Hell in a Cell, but Paul Bearer comes in and blinds the Undertaker by throwing 
what I imagine are his powers into his eyes. Um, Kane then no, the under- <laughs> Undertaker's already got his powers back at this point. So what's can't in the urn? Can't be throwing more powers. That there's so much power that it overpowered the Undertaker. Um, Kane grabs the urn, hits the Undertaker with it, and then chokes on him for the, for the win. Uh, so Paul Bearer screws the Undertaker and aligns with Kane. Again, how many times does that need to happen in WWE or WWF history where uh, Paul Bearer turns on The Undertaker? I'm sure, well, I, I know for a fact that he comes back to him in, in the not-too-distant future as well. To be fair, you probably wouldn't trust Paul Bearer if you were The Undertaker. How many, how many times did he come back and go, look, it's like an abusive relationship, them two. Exactly. He keeps coming back, he's like, yeah. he's like look, look, Undertaker, I know, I know I was wrong. Things are going to change this time. I promise. Yeah, exactly. Just like, oh, poor, oh, Paul. I could never, I could never, I could never, never stay turn. mad at you. Yeah, I could never, exactly. I could never stay mad, mad at you. And then some weird kind of fan fiction probably kicks in at that point. Yeah, we should probably move away from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Paul Bearer, well, um, basically, the Undertaker is being dominated by Kane at this point, um, being attacked from behind. So Paul Bearer sees the opportunity to challenge him to one more match and makes it a buried alive match at Bragging Rights. Um, it's such a shit name for a pay-per-view and such a, a fairly shit concept. Um, but yeah, the the show is um, the introduction to the show is focused on this um, as the main event, even though. It's not the main event, doesn't go on last. Um, but the, the intro package focuses all about this, all about how um, it's two brothers, one will be buried alive. Um, and basically all, all dark imagery, uh, just the word evil pops up at one point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> subliminal messaging. <laughs> says she's not like a word club, it's just like a weird, evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what you really want you to think of today. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> How did that one get in there? Oh no. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so to the match itself, there's there's shovels surrounding the grave. There isn't a whole lot of dirt. It's as though the British government have got involved and paid thirty quid for the dirt. There you go. Topical oh. humour. <laughs> Yeah, there, there is not a huge amount of dirt surrounding the grave, but there is a digger just above it, um, which you assume, again, is full of dirt. Um, as you say, we get The Undertaker out first, um, and we both mentioned that we prefer that being the case because Kane's the champion. He's the, the guy that deserves to, to come out next. Um, the Undertaker takes about 15 minutes, roughly, to walk to the ring. Yeah, and it's not that far for the <laughs> it's three, really not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's a slightly different Undertaker, as we mentioned last time um, we saw him. He was the American badass, and it was his last appearance. He's now back as the dead man character, but he's a dead man that's learned a few moves uh, since he was the original sort of dead man 1.0, if you like. Is he going Matt Hardy? Is he going it is, yeah. Undertaker 2.0? We've not done a fact of the week for a long time, have we? But... <laughs> No, no, we haven't. That, <laughs> Let's move away from that. Was, that, was, that, was such a, that was such a popular concept. Literally, yeah, no one. Our fact of the week that no, no one ever came back to us and asked for a second fact of the week. No one's mentioned it again since. <laughs> Weird, that, isn't it? Um, so, Michael Cole checks in on commentary. He mentions that it could be the final resting place of The Undertaker's career. I'm pretty sure he's used, or that line of commentary has been used in every single Buried Alive match so far. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I'll mention now, although I'm sure it'll crop again through the commentary, 
they finally managed to move away from this constant, oh my God, imagine being buried, the suffocation, the somehow they've completely blanked that aspect of it for this match. Doesn't come up at all. They have, and I wonder if it's slightly because it's more of a, a PG era at this point, so they're not wanting it to seem quite as as dangerous and, and realistic. Um, I mean, look at the chair shots we get later. There's not even a, a chair shot to the head. What's the point? What's the <laughs> You're point? not going to hit anyone in the head. What's the point? I will say what about the about sorry about the intake, about Kane coming out though. It's weird because his music kicks and he comes out with a title around his waist. I look at him and go, he in no way looks like a heavyweight champion. No, this was at a time when, well, the, the World Heavyweight Championship was definitely regarded as the, the secondary title uh, behind the WWE title. I, I yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's just the fact that he's just got the... I know obviously he's got the ring music he's had normally. Oh, no, it's, the it's, of, a, this is a shit version of Kane's intro because the, the pyro goes and then the organ starts. So the, the organ should start and then the fire goes once it's been built to. And then, yeah, it's, it's the problem- not quite the classic. I'll leave a, I'll leave a bit of a gap in here to, to put the, the cave music in. But it's not the classic Kane. It's it's more of a um, a less dramatic and more piano based or organ yeah. based version, I think. And because and he has and obviously he hasn't even got the best one he ever had, which is he hasn't got. They've lost the licensing rights to the Flame Still Burns, the Finger Eleven track, yeah. which was the best Kane one. So I'm not sure if it's underwhelming because he just has the organ music come out, or it's the fact that Paul Bearer comes out so close to him. Yeah, when he, they he stood like bumping into him. Like, come on, Kane, it's time to go out. <laughs> exactly. Surely it should be Kane should come out just on his own as champion, and and then Bear should Bear be a, few yards a respectful behind. distance behind him, so the attention is just on Kane coming out. Or you get Bearer come out like he. Um, so when he was aligned with Kane in like 2000, you'd have Bearer come out, then the organ would start playing, and then the pyro would hit, and then Kane's entrance is almost separate. Yeah, that's, either one of those would be fine, but as I say, you get this kind of, as I say, Paul Bearer bumping, <laughs> bumping, bumping into, into him. Looking there, like there's, it's a, there's a lot of Paul Bearer to bump into at this point, to be fair. <laughs> coming out looking like it's a tag team match. Yeah, not far off. Um, so, yeah, Michael Cole, as I say, mentions that it could be the final resting place of The Undertaker's career. We also have Matt Stryker and The King on commentary. Um not a dream team. <laughs> no, but they don't. They don't say anything obnoxious, inflammatory, discriminatory, no. or just generally awful. So, in many ways, that's a win. It's an absolute vanilla commentary kind of performance. Um, the Undertaker stops Kane on the on his way to the ring, um, and again, the commentary team build up that maybe that's because. Uh, the Undertaker needs to get the early win because of how Kane has been completely dominant in their feud so far. How exactly do you get an early win in a Buried Alive match? <laughs> Quick roll um, up into the grave. Yeah. <laughs> and more importantly, why does the Undertaker attack in 
Kane, stop the ring announcer from saying Kane. <laughs> I don't know. It's a very good point. On his way to the ring, the world heavyweight champion. Oh, he stopped him. So I, I better stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're clearly off the ringing. I didn't hear no bell. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, we get quite a physical start between them around the ring with punches and kicks. Um, they quickly brawl into the crowd. Cole at this point points out that it's a vicious assault the Undertaker's carrying out on his own brother. This is a man that burnt his family to death. This isn't a vicious <laughs> assault to the Undertaker. Yeah, that, you, you say, the way you're saying that, though, you're saying the Undertaker deliberately burnt his family to death. Well, I mean, it's not like he's, he's accidentally smacked Kane in the face here. Well, he, he did um, set fire to Kane in an Inferno match. So. That's fair enough. Yeah, I can, <laughs> that, that is fair, yeah this, is, this is in no way the worst thing that the Undertaker has done to Kane. Absolutely not. Um, hey, remember that time I hid you away after I killed our parents? <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in Journey into Darkness, I'll keep bringing it back. But the Undertaker doesn't know that Kane exists until later on. Uh, he assumes that he died in the fire as well. But Oh, God, that would have been so much better. Yeah. Um, so they head back to the ring. Undertaker just starts launching chairs into the ring. It's almost as if he, as if he thinks he's back in a Hell in a Cell match throwing chairs <laughs> onto the top of the cell. Yeah, my, note, my notes state that for the first time since we've been doing, doing this pod, we see someone actually hit the target they're throwing chairs at. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I think it goes to his head a bit, though, because he does decide to throw another three into the ring. Yeah, and then, use, then we get half of a chair used. Yeah, exactly. Um, Undertaker carries on dominating, hits the big apron leg drop. Um, something you notice with this, it always looks more impressive when the camera um, is showing the leg from above so that it, you can see the cameraman getting in position as he starts climbing the steps, but the camera goes really low and then you, you're looking up at the Undertaker hitting the big leg drop across the the neck on the on the ring apron it's in it it looks an impressive move although it is basically a leg drop yeah i think it just it helps just give you that sheer scope of the size of the undertaker yeah you think jesus christ even in even in professional wrestling if that was dropping on top of you that would probably hurt a bit yeah absolutely um they go into the ring, uh, Undertaker grabs a chair, Kane sees it, rolls away, and they brawl back into the other side of the crowd. Um, again, Undertaker carries on dominating here. We get a lot of punches and a lot of kicks, but not much else. Um, Cole points out that the Undertaker, the best pure striker in the, WWE, in the WWE's history, I don't really know what that means. I always thought it was quite a good line of commentary when I was about 11 or 12, but he's... He's not the best pure striker in WWE history because he's not actually punching people. Does he mean maybe, he uses punches and kicks the most? Maybe he means he's decent up front. Maybe it's not even a wrestling ref. Maybe, maybe after go, this, one for our American listeners there, Chris. <laughs> yeah, maybe they just go play five aside afterwards. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. The best power league striker we've ever seen. <laughs> 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 Stick him up front, get his head on stuff. Tell you, no problem. I say, yeah. yeah, that's a very niche, a very British reference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Stick him up top with uh, Rey Mysterio. You got your classic big man, little man, aren't you? So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> any American listeners, we're just talking about that soccer ball. <laughs> soccer right, ball. Yeah. Um, Michael Cole also points out there's nowhere to run in this match. Why is there nowhere to run in a buried alive match? I feel like that's what you should have said in the Hell in a Cell match. Really, what you should say is, you know, Terago, you know what would be a really smart tactic? 
getting as far away from the grave as possible. Yeah, exactly. there's, there's plenty of plenty of room to run away from this match. There's a whole arena. There's a whole world to run to to get away from the. Get away do you have to be? Do you have to be buried in the grave they have there? Just can any you grave. Be, just any can grave. you be any grave? Yeah, is it just because it's not buried alive in a WWE arena grave match? Yeah, I've been it's watching a lot. Of, um, I've been watching a lot of Taskmaster recently, and that sounds like the sort of thing that um, a, a British comedian would do to get around the rules in order to make it make it quick. But it actually takes much longer to get to a different grade. <laughs> there you go. Uh, again, alienating our American friends. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure they can find they can find Taskmaster online. They yeah. can appreciate the subtle, brilliant humour of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back into the ring. Uh, Kane gets into the ring first, grabs a chair, hits it into the Undertaker's belly and then smashes it across his back. Then uh, then again across the back. We're not, again, as we mentioned earlier, this is a slightly different time for WWE here. We're not going to see headshots with, with a chair at this point. Um, obviously for, for good reason, but don't want to bring the tone down too much. Um, Kane hits a chokeslam and then hits a second chokeslam. The crowds are absolutely silent at this point. They're not even booing. <laughs> just just before the chokeslam, just another bugbear, another bugbear of mine while I think about it. Go on. And I have my nose in front of me. The choke, the, the choke with the steel chair. Right. You've been, WWE have been running programming for God knows how long. And they've been filming it for how thirty years or whatever it's been. Forty years since the eighties, really. Yeah, they've had yeah. proper proper cameramen. Don't do a shot where you can clearly see, see there's the a gap, huge yeah. gap from where the chair should be, where the chair ends and the Undertaker's neck starts. Just just don't. These are little, really amateurish mistakes that really irritate me. Yeah, the the production um, the, or the amount they spend on production, surely someone can see um, what the different cameras are looking at and then they can decide what to cut between. So if you see, well, that looks shit, don't cut to the camera, like you say. But, yeah. But, yeah, it's just it's a small bugbear of mine with that because they're capable of so much better and you don't want, you don't want an amateurish mistake like that to let down a, uh, a shot. No, absolutely. Although, um, as we're seeing at the, at the moment, we don't want them to go the other way and have too too much uh, production and too many camera cuts because it feels like you're watching a really shit '90s action film. <laughs> True. They do have to have a di- they do have to have a disclaimer that if you have flat dick, yeah. you may cause seizures nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at this point we've not really heard um paul bearer throughout the match but um at this point he does say you've got him kane you've got him uh, as kane then carries the undertaker towards the grave carries him just to the base of it and then the undertaker manages to wriggle free they exchange punches for what seems like quite a long time and the the crowd the pay-per-view half the pay-per-view exactly and the crowd are, are yaying for the undertaker and booing kane at least they're off their hands at this point in the match yeah, as as you say, at least they're reacting to something because we've had, they haven't had a lot to react to so far. I'm not sure why the Undertaker and Kane just stand there punching each other is gaining such a a, a rapturous reaction. But no, oh well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. it's their own. It's easy to please <laughs> the crowd tonight. Um, the Undertaker does get the the upper hand and um, starts punching him towards. Um, like a, a camera setup. I, I at that point thought we were going to get quite an interesting shot, but all that happens is that Kane sort of goes round in a circle, um, 
Cole again carries on talking up the fact that it must be taking a psychological toll to do this to your own brother. All he's doing is punching him. Like, I probably wouldn't do it to my brother, but again, I haven't set my family on fire. <laughs> that you know of. That I know of, yeah, exactly. Um, Michael Cole also says, Kane ironically retreating there. Get, once again, another example of Michael Cole not really understanding irony. Yeah, he's... Be fair, he doesn't understand much. So <laughs> no. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure why I'm expecting the graph to concept of irony. Might as well be asking the graph with the concept of time travel. Yeah, not far, not far removed. Um, they head up towards the grave, and the Undertaker goes for a choke slam, but it's reversed into a big boot. Kane then decides the best um, way of getting the Undertaker into the grave is to put his feet together and pull him <laughs> like he's pulling a sledge. Uh, but the Undertaker sits up and locks Hell's Gate in. Um, at this point, I, uh, again, I noticed there really isn't much dirt around the around the grave. No, it's almost like they're not going to. It's almost like they're not going to use it to actually uh, yeah. finish the match. What, I don't with when he puts to Hell's Gate as well. Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer, uh, Paul, he's, he's he's an experienced man. Why is he's just loitering around? Just standing there. You're either going to do something or you're not. If yeah. you're not, then just get out of the shot. <laughs> get Don't out just... of the way. <laughs> it's like, like Homer. Well, that one guy's not done anything yet. As soon as I turn away. <laughs> Especially, I'm sitting there going, well, really what should happen here is going to take a sit up, roll over and see Paul Bearer standing stand there. It'd be much smarter if Paul Bearer, say, hid behind that massive gravestone that's there. Yeah, well, he, um, the Undertaker does roll Kane into the grave and then Paul Bearer does sort of make half an effort to hide behind the tombstone. He sort of hides his bottom half behind the tombstone. <laughs> and then the Undertaker spots him, grabs him and almost in a pub fight style, pushes him, to the gra- pushes him into the dirt on the ground. That'll show him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, as you say, he grabs him to the ground, and you think oh, I should—he'd probably punch him here. No, no, you will have your—you will have your face rubbed against this dirt. It's just a bit of a pie face, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it's a. Uh, oh, god! Yeah, the the match gets a bit of a mess, doesn't it? It does get right a bit of a mess from here. I wonder <laughs> if. Um, if this, if um, what happens next should have happened slightly early. So to keep up our 100% interference record in um, in Buried Alive matches, Nexus come out and, and beat down The Undertaker. I think maybe um, they should have come out as The Undertaker was grabbing, uh, grabbing Bearer and that's why it's a bit of a mess when he's pushing him into the dirt. Yeah, quite, quite possibly. In which case... Come on, get your timings right. Yeah. It's not like not like Nexus are like outside or down the street. <laughs> no. Well, Wade Barrett's got a title match to uh, coming up later in the night, so he should be at least around the the backstage area. And what's he doing coming out, getting involved if he's got a title match elsewhere? Yeah. Just careless. He's getting a paycheck already. He's got his appearance money. About twice. It's not all about the money, Chris. Is that two? Is that two checks he gets for being on the pay per view twice? Well, I'd I'd be asking for for double pay, but um, Kane manages to climb out of the out of the grave that he's been pushed into. Hits the Undertaker with the urn, and Undertaker falls into the grave. 
Matt Stryker, not to be confused with uh, centre forward, says um, everything the urn stands for is six feet under now. Um, so, I think he's trying to go for a bit of an iconic line. We, we mentioned this with Taz previously, but it just doesn't really, it sounds like he's forcing it a bit there. Yeah, and it doesn't really make a great deal of sense. No, absolutely. Everything, everything that sums up the urn is probably, probably in the urn. Yeah, <laughs> if they if they can if they can trade power between each other with the urn, then surely that's that's where it is. It's not the Undertaker. Yeah, absolutely. So um, next, once the Undertaker's in the grave, Nexus start digging, but Kane gets rid of them, shoes them away. It's almost as though he knows that um, how long it takes to dig dirt if you use a shovel as opposed <laughs> to a digger. <laughs> um, Kane then does his in-ring taunt where normally the fire would come out of the, the turnbuckles, but instead the, the fire comes out of the top of the tombstone and the digger drops dirt into the grave. It's not quite as impressive as the Vince versus Undertaker one because the, the grave isn't quite full with this one. <laughs> they filled it about three quarters up. Yeah, I'll tell you what as well. They are very lucky in the fact that when, before Kane does the taunt, the flame shoots out, and then the music starts before the soil dropped. If the Undertaker had been out of there, that would have looked ridiculous. I'd have had the Undertaker not being buried alive as, as <laughs> yeah, Kane's music playing. Play, exactly. um, so yeah, Kane's music plays, he's announced the winner. Um, then it gets a little bit weird. The Undertaker's gong goes off, the same fire shoots out of the top of the tombstone, and we get a bit of a light show with a very faint Ooh, noise over the over the <laughs> speaker system. Very faint woo noise. Like, did you not notice that? And then suddenly, Ric Flair shows up. <laughs> no, it's more of a well, a, a, a ghoul sound of a ooh. Did you notice that? <laughs> no, no, sorry, man. I'm going to I'm, go back and I'm going to go back and have another listen to it now, though, just to make sure. I'm going to pipe about 10 seconds of the audio through here. The Undertaker's gong plays. There's a bit of a light show. It looks a bit shit and a bit um, rinky-dink, tint pot, to be fair. And then we just cut to the commentary teams. Uh, the commentary team, sorry. And King says, well, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. King was supposed to use a shovel. Why does he need to use that truck? Why was the truck there, King? <laughs> Surely it's there for him to use. Maybe, maybe King's just wandering around, startled at everything. Just going, yeah. "Hey, hey, what's that bird? Hey, what's that magic? <laughs> hey, why was that lo- Hey, why was that lawsuit dropped?" <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> so this felt like it should have been the main event and should have ended the show, but we still have two matches left for the, the show. We've got Team Raw versus SmackDown, and then as I mentioned. Orton versus Barrett for the title with this was when Cena um, lost to Nexus so had to be part of the Nexus but Barrett won by disqualification so doesn't win the title um, how was the how were they the main events as opposed to this I'm not quite sure but anyway what were your thoughts on the buried alive match from bragging rights 2010 then Chris I wish we hadn't done them in date order I wish yeah. I wish we <laughs> <laughs> I wish we'd have finished on a high and finished on the Undertaker Vince McMahon. Because, yeah. oh, it's not that this was bad, but dear God, this was pedestrian. It was it very was, ploddy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's... It, because, we moved, as you say, we moved into this PG era, you can do half the stuff that you could do with the earlier ones. And we've already pointed out that the earlier ones 
weren't brutal weren't brutal enough for us back at back then at the <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, that's so very gone, true. So there was they were never gonna have a chance of being able to pull off this and make it look brutal. And that's the problem. That's probably why they've never had another win since. That's what I imagine, because you just yeah. can't you just can't, you just can't do, do it justice. justice. Yeah, absolutely. I think this also suffered from being the fifth one and following the format that the previous four, probably not quite including the tag team one, have followed. So it was almost shot for shot um, the a, a couple of the other Buried Alive matches that we've covered. So by, by the time you've seen it five times, it, it does start grating slightly. And yeah, it was just ploddy. There wasn't really... There was a choke slam and a hell's gate and that was about it in terms of wrestling moves. I know when... It, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a great wrestling match like we said that we enjoyed the the Vince one and there was probably fewer moves in that one but yeah there, there wasn't much to this match at all um the story was okay but they're leaning on a a very um overused story from 13 years ago to to get them through this i think yeah exactly if it hadn't been if it had been, if they'd have had no if they had no build for this if they didn't what they do normally and just thrown this as a random stipulation this would have been a disaster yeah. the fact they got them taken Kane is the only thing that really carries it through and has any causes any real interest in it yeah and absolutely and to be fair they I will give them credit for doing one one smart thing after this they didn't have the Undertaker rock up two weeks later like every other one no. well, four months off TV yeah, four months off TV. I, I assume uh, because we don't see an Undertaker low blow, he was too injured, so couldn't possibly have taken another low blow in this match. <laughs> no, true. He'd he just uh, fallen clearly... to dust if that had happened. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's, he, was, he spent four months somewhere with his legs apart, <laughs> strapping, yeah. stra- stra- oh. strapping a fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just, just there to rehabilitate. Um, the other thing that's very annoying with this match we never get any payoff whatsoever with the undertaker and nexus no because they were pretty much done by the time by the time the undertaker comes back yeah nexus are well they've moved into nexus um versus the core and the new nexus and we've moved we've moved past that by that point um what are you giving this one as a star rating then chris i'm I'm, from what you've said i'm thinking it's going to be lower than previous yeah um i'm gonna give just for, oh, it's hard. I'm gonna give just for this storyline, just for the storyline alone, and the fact they they carried it okay. It's a two star match from me. Okay, I'm gonna give it exactly the same two stars. Um, as you say, the the storyline pulled it to being an, an acceptable match. I would say that people don't shit all over, but the match itself, if if you just watched this um, as a non-wrestling fan, you would not understand what the fuss was about between The Undertaker and Kane, I don't think. No, true. Um, Dave Meltzer, one star. I, I, be fair, normally we, always, we're happy to slag Dave Meltzer off and not agree with any of his scoring. But yeah, I can understand I can see, completely yeah. where it's going from. can see that. It wasn't uh, the strongest pay-per-view either from, um, from WWE at this point. So... Daniel Bryan opened the show. Um, he was by, by um, beating Dolph Ziggler by submission. Uh, Wade Barrett beats Randy Orton by disqualification in the main event. The team Raw versus SmackDown, which we've talked about in the past, and 
Don't get started, really. But uh, Team SmackDown, we've got Del Rio, The Big Show, Edge, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, Rey Mysterio, and Tyler Rex. Uh, Hornswoggle is accompanying them to the ring. Uh, And then Team Raw, we've got Ezekiel Jackson, John Morrison, The Miz, R-Truth, Santino Morella, Sheamus, and CM Punk. There's a few decent stars in there, but it's it's a very mid-card match, I would suggest. Yeah, but there's probably four names there. You go, there's real star quality there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've also got Layla versus Natalia for the Divas title, back when it was the Divas title. And Ted, Ted DiBiase versus Goldust. The match that everyone was clapping clamoring for exactly that's when Goldust stole the million dollar uh, title i think but anyway this is just because i remember that <laughs> this time at wwe because i've got a memory of more than just drinking i think <laughs> well true <laughs> what i would what i would say when you're saying about bragging rights earlier and it was a bad pay-per-view no i don't think it were i think the mistake they've made was shifting everything over the survivor series and doing the brand split stuff or brand versus brand stuff there they should have they should have kept Survivor Series elimination match four on four, just have it as that kind of special pay per view. Yeah. Do all the brand versus and keep bragging rights. Do all the brand versus brand stuff, but just make it worth winning the brand yeah. versus brand what, split. What, what do you actually get from it? Like, does it mean like because it was? Um, I'm pretty sure at this time you had Raw and SmackDown. Um, separate pay-per-view so it could be that well you won bragging rights so therefore SummerSlam goes to goes to you this year so Smackdown don't get SummerSlam yeah or you win or you win bragging because obviously bragging rights was October weren't it or whenever yeah October so you go you win bragging rights and your brand gets 20 slots in the rumble and the other brand gets 10 Again, we, we talked about this a lot with the Survivor Series, so we don't <laughs> don't want to tread over all ground. But yeah, it, it's definitely a thing that if you if you're gonna go into promotion with that, there has to be some sort of tangible reason for wanting to win. Mm-hmm. Um, the time the time of the pay per view would have worked brilliantly leading into the Royal Rumble because you could have that as a joint pay per view, and then one single pay per view each as they were, and yeah. then the Rumble. Well, it, what doesn't really work with the, this one particularly is so we've got bragging rights, but then it's Survivor Series, the next pay-per-view. Yeah, so, you can, you can, I'd say, just keep, should have kept Survivor Series as the four versus four, five versus yeah, five. Enough. Just have it, just literally just that, and then you, and then your title defend, your main title defended, and that's yeah. it. I mean, we're fantasy booking something that happened 10 years ago, but... <laughs> <laughs> you ain't cra- creative. We're going to come knocking any day. Yeah, exactly. Um, so up next for these guys. So Kane on the following SmackDown holds, holds a eulogy for The Undertaker, gets interrupted by Edge and El- Alberto Del Rio. Um, they have a number one contenders match. Edge ends up drawing with Kane at the next pay-per-view, which leads into TLC, where Edge wins the title in a fatal four-way match um, at TLC. Undertaker, as you've already mentioned, gets written off screen um, until vignettes start appearing in the build-up to WrestleMania. Um, And then The Undertaker comes out. um, It's when... I think this is the first time that they had, like, the Johnny Cash um, in the desert sort of vignettes, wasn't it? So The Undertaker comes out, um, makes his way to the ring, and then as he gets there, Triple H comes out, and they both just look up to the WrestleMania sign and we get the the first of their WrestleMania 
the first of this batch of their WrestleMania matches, I should say, because I've not forgotten WrestleMania 17, even if WWE have. <laughs> um, interestingly as well, this match um, was the last pay-per-view that The Undertaker would appear on that wasn't WrestleMania until 2015. So he's very much um, winding down at this point of his career, just working once a year. Yeah, he was, he was definitely a... Not on a downward, downward slide is the wrong word, but his body, the, the effects of all those low blows, as we say, definitely, <laughs> yeah. take, definitely taking a toll on him. Yeah, absolutely. Any closing thoughts then on Brogan Wright's 2010, Chris? Yeah, only, only this. I'm, as much as I've loved the buried live matches, the ones we have covered, we bar this one. The ones that we've done have largely been fun, at least. I'm just I'm glad they've retired the stipulation now because it's just not something you could do in the modern era, and I'd rather they just leave it be than actually just try to drag it up and just ruin it by trying to squeeze it into something that's not going to work. In well, Chris, it's funny you should say that because normally, obviously, we finished our buried alive coverage. Um, we finished the five matches. So what would we would normally do next is a roundup episode where we go through our favourite matches, but. We're going to have our first ever cinematic match and we're going to WrestleMania 2020 for what is basically a buried alive match, but it's in a boneyard instead of an arena. Um, so do you still feel the same way that we can't, uh, can't, uh, can't make it work even though we're going to cover it? In the, the it's, next a, it's, a, it's a completely different match type. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're outside a, now, so it's completely yeah, different. Exactly. This, is, this is a boneyard match side. That's a buried alive match. Completely different, and I would say, considering what they do with the Boneyard, it's their night and day. You can't, you can while it's while it maintains the spirit of Buried Alive, I'd say you can't compare them. So therefore, I'm happy that what I've said still stands, with the exception of this very good match. Fair enough. Well, yeah. So next time we are looking at the Undertaker versus AJ Styles in a Boneyard match. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Follow, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Select Match Pod. Tell your friends, get everyone listening. We don't ask for much. We just want you to listen and have a good time. What more could you want, really, out of a podcast? <laughs> we just want to be young. We want to be young. We want to listen to. We want to have a good time. Exactly. Uh, thanks very much, as always, Chris. Thank you for having me, Si. As always, it's a pleasure. I'll speak to you next time.